Hello and welcome to anybody who is watching or listening to this on whatever platform you may be on. Um, I'll be able to see comments on uh, if you're leaving comments or questions or anything like that on uh, YouTube, Facebook, or Twitch, or X. I should be able to see them all here on my little console on StreamYard. And um, I guess you know who I am or you wouldn't be tuning in, but I'm David Rovix. I'm a singer-songwriter and uh, writer of other things as well. And I first uh, went to um, both uh, Israel and the occupied West Bank in uh, 1999 and, um, and then uh, again in 2005. And I've been in some way or another involved with... Uh, the Palestinian struggle, at least in the capacity as a musician and popular educator for um, the past uh, 23 years or so. And um, and uh, so if anybody has any, any uh, questions or comments, uh, I'll be looking out for them. Otherwise, I will just be uh, trying to give some kind of a, some kind of an impression of what the heck is uh, going on. Uh, if you're watching the American uh, mainstream media, then you would not have any real idea of what's happening now or what's been happening uh, for a very long time in, in Palestine um, or in Israel. Um, but um, so, you know, I don't know who, who's, who's, who needs what kind of, uh, um, what kind of uh, education or information, but uh, what's happening right now is, is a, a genocidal bombing campaign uh, carried out by the Israeli military of uh, the very small um, occupied, besieged, walled ghetto called the Gaza Strip. Uh, I've written a lot of essays about this uh, background and, and what's going on as well. You can find them at davidrovix.com slash Palestine and also on uh, Substack and Counterpunch with some of them. And um, this is a song I just wrote uh, very recently, like yesterday. Hear the drones above your head What were the last words that she said Before she joined the thousands dead As the bombs rained down See the fire in the sky Hear all of the children cry The tower falls from way on high As the bombs rain down See the dust rise everywhere Once it was a building there Then it crashed down from the air As the bombs rained down Twisted bodies all around, the never-ending buzzing sound, the earthquake shaking all the ground as the bombs rain down. Shattered camps of refugees, necklaces of ancient keys, smell the burning olive trees as the bombs rain down. See the homes, apartment blocks, see the mosques reduced to rocks, feel the awe and feel the shock as the bombs rain down. See the sewage in the street Mixed with blood beneath your feet Before the sonic boom repeats As the bombs rain down See the darkness of the night No power for the lights But the explosions are so bright As the bombs rain down 
Nothing left but rubble strewn, nothing rising but the moon, but the next one's coming soon as the bombs rain down. Hear the politicians say there's nothing here to see today, we're punishing Hamas this way as the bombs rain down. Hear the drones above your head What were the last words that she said Before she joined the thousands dead As the bombs rained down The, um... Yeah, I just let's see where 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 to even start. So what's uh, what's going on is a, a genocidal bombing campaign in response to a uh, rebellion of half-starving people living in a walled ghetto with no clean water, no access to construction materials, and uh, very little food. Many people think um, it's ironic. Um, that um, the people who are uh, carrying out this uh, genocidal bombing campaign are descended from, uh, in many cases, folks who were uh, who survived the Holocaust, and uh, or descended from folks who were killed in the Holocaust, uh, the Nazi Holocaust in Europe, in which so many millions of Jews and Roma and communists and Russians and others were killed, and um, and it's uh, it, it's worth uh, maybe uh, going back a bit and, and talking about that uh, history because um, uh, Israel is a uh, settler colonial project uh, from the beginning that has its origins with uh, the Zionist movement in the 1890s, but most especially uh, w when it started going anywhere uh, was um, after uh, the end of World War I when um, the entire Middle East and much of Africa and so much of the rest of the world was divided up by the uh, victorious powers uh, to their benefit uh, with all sorts of uh, borders that still cause all kinds of problems today in so many different countries. Uh, and that was all intentional on the part of the colonists to do that, uh, to make sure that there would be great difficulty in many countries having any kind of a strong government because they'd be kind of having this endemic problem with uh, intentional divisions um, within the artificial borders of many countries that the colonial powers imposed on the defeated Ottoman Empire and uh, other defeated parties uh, in that war, in the First World War. And um, uh, the Zionist movement was not especially popular and um, at the time and didn't really gain uh, great popularity until uh, the period during which uh, Hitler rose to power in Europe. Um, and a lot of Jews were trying to get out, and um, and they weren't able to go uh, to the places they wanted to go, like the United States, Canada, Cuba. Uh, all of those places were um, uh, not allowing uh, immigration from uh, that whole part of Europe, uh, whether they were Jewish or other, uh, you know, people from Central, Eastern, or Southern Europe. They were all barred from emigrating to the U.S. Uh, from the early 20s until 1944. So uh, loads of Jews uh, who wanted to come to New York, including lots of folks I actually personally know, 
um, from who, who are now dead, but you know that I knew when they were alive. They wanted to come to New York, but they um, uh, ended up going to South America or to Palestine uh, because that's where they could get a visa to get out of Europe. And then eventually they ended up in New York, which is why I knew them because that's where I'm from. But when they were trying to get to New York uh, in 1939 um, on a ship uh, called the MS St. Louis that took off from Hamburg, Germany, they were denied entry uh, to the U.S., then to Canada, then to Cuba, and uh, or maybe it was Cuba first, I can't remember. But anyway, they were denied entry to the, all three countries, and then they went back to Europe, and uh, so many of them uh, died. I can't remember the percentage, but a lot of them died um, in the next couple of years, you know, being occupied by the Nazis. And um, this is a song uh, that is uh, very uh, sort of uncomfortably for me popular among a lot of Nazis. Um, but, you know, can't do much about that sort of thing because it's just, um, they know it, they, they, they're, it's, they're being funny, I guess, but it's uh, supposed to be uh, you know, what I'm doing here is quoting the actual pa papers of the day. So if you agree with them, then, uh, you know, uh, you know, that's, uh, if you agree with the racist papers of the times, then that's not my problem. It's 1939 and the boats are coming, but we can't have them here. That much at least is clear Our economy is poor We can't just open up the door We've got problems of our own They should just leave us alone They're a tribalistic race They keep a separate space They don't really integrate They'll be a burden on the state Watch before it is too late It's 1939 and the boats are coming if we let them land and acquiesce to their demands We'll soon be overrun, our Christian country will be done They should just take the tram closer by to Amsterdam Keep their problems in the region This invading legion, enemies within our ranks With names like Rosenberg and Frank Watch that water that you drank It's 1939 and the boats are coming but they must stay away In the newspapers they say They don't believe in Christ the Lord And they're jumping overboard Crossing borders in a swarm They'll never be reformed It's a Trojan horse attack And we've got to send them back There may be Nazis in the hall Answering Hitler's call These Jews are Germans after all It's 1939 and the boats are coming Turned on the vocals a little. That was feeding back, it looked like. Let's see. Um, oh, so um, the question um, uh, just um, here on uh, one of these platforms in my feed here. And I, by the way, if anybody has any uh, comments or questions on whatever platform you're watching on, I can see them uh, on my little StreamYard feed where they all get put together for my benefit. And uh, one is about... Um, my uh, comments on Israel saying they're turning water energy back on uh, in Palestine um, hours after Iran threatened to intervene if Israel continues uh, doing what they're doing and um, yeah it's all it's um, I think it's very uh, it's a very uh, interesting uh, 
development that Iran is saying that they will intervene if things continue. It's a, I'd say, a very positive development. Um, although, of course, World War Three it wouldn't be positive, but uh, the, the, you know, uh, the world can't just stand by while this is going on either, can it? And um, the, uh, uh, but also uh, Blinken, uh, conveniently at the same time as Iran, uh, set, you know, made the statement they made to Al Jazeera just a few hours ago. At the same time, also Blinken uh, told the Israelis to um, turn the water uh, on for uh, folks in in southern. Gaza. So uh, those things happen at the same time. So, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, and I don't know if, if uh, as, as of 20 minutes ago, um, last time I checked, uh, Israel had not complied and had not started deliveries of water. So, um, you know, and if when once they do, they're going to be in a big tank and, and then they're going to need to get distributed. And uh, they're actively bombing southern Gaza as well as northern Gaza right now as they're telling everybody to leave and go uh, to southern Gaza. Uh, this is the, the Nakba. That was a question, another question from Ella about, uh, could you explain the Nakba? Well, right, what's happening right now is is a new Nakba. And the Nakba, um, which is what uh, Arabic for the catastrophe, and uh, the Nakba was, is what the Israelis uh, call Independence Day. Uh, you know, but for the Palestinian population, which was uh, had been living there for uh, ever, um, it it was uh, it was a uh, was a terrible catastrophe because at least like over seven hundred thousand, whatever it is, you know, I don't know even know if anybody knows the real numbers, but the number you hear most is seven hundred seven hundred fifty thousand Palestinians who, uh, at the out of fear of massacres, at the point of a gun, and perhaps also in some cases because they hoped that a liberation war led by Arab ar armies would bring them back to their homes if they uh, fled first. Um, you know, a lot of people had a lot of different motivations for, for leaving, but certainly fear was primary among them with the uh, the Israelis launching their um, so-called independence uh, war. And uh, so the... Um, uh, the hundreds of thousands of Palestinians fled their land and went to the West Bank, Gaza, and also neighboring countries like Jordan and uh, Syria and Lebanon. And uh, in the vast majority of cases, they have never been allowed by the Israelis to come back. I think something like 10,000 of them were allowed back in. Uh, vast majority were never allowed back in, so they, they to, to this day, live in uh, multi-generational refugee camps in all of the neighboring countries and many millions more uh, in the Palestinian diaspora who left the refugee camps and went to somewhere else like the U.S. or wherever, Canada, the U.K., or any number of other places which have large Palestinian populations, including most of the Gulf countries, which... Uh, where Palestinians, at least last I checked, is maybe old information, but at one point Palestinians made up the uh, a very, very large proportion of the sort of managerial class in, in uh, the Gulf states. Um, uh, Palestinians tend to be very well educated. Um, fascinating parallels there between Palestinians and, and the uh, and historically Jews who are also homeless in this diaspora situation. Um, although the Palestinians are in that situation because of 
oppressors who are Jewish, um, although it's very, very important to, to understand the context here that they, uh, they, they are, the, the oppressors in their case are, are Jewish, but they're completely facilitated by the great powers of the West, particularly by the United States. And this has been the case since the inception of the state of Israel. Um, so it's, uh, there's, there's this, um, you know, there, there, it's, it's all, it's all great power politics involved with, uh, you know, them, Israel having a state and Palestine, uh, the Palestinians never having gotten a state. Um, so, uh, the Canadian, somebody's mentioning the Canadian prime minister at the time, uh, having uh being a friend of hitler has anything to do with the jews not being turned away from canada yeah that there uh i don't know specifically um about the canadian prime minister at the time but but the uh the national socialist movement was very popular throughout the west and including in the u.s and canada uh and anti-semitism was also very popular and and also just generally prejudice against central eastern southern europeans uh in you know in canada they were they interned italians during the war uh you know just like the u.s interned japanese americans and japanese uh nationals um during the war and um yeah so there's um so so originally um originally does like through through outright sort of legal you know processes purchases that sort of thing um there were like seven percent of palestinian land was in jewish hands at the time of the independence war and then you know that went from seven to uh 80 about 78 percent which is what it was until 1967 at which point uh, after the uh after uh, the 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 war another you know one of several wars to try to uh, do something about this injustice injust unjust situation that that you know the UN and the rest of the world wasn't doing anything about that you know there were um, uh, these uh, the 1967 war and the 1973 war which were which were uh, you know took a lot of lives and um, and also um, especially 73 was a massive uh, thing involving huge numbers of you know deaths and planes to shot down and all kinds of stuff but uh you know israel um won those uh wars i mean you know it, depending on who you ask um i mean uh, they got uh uh egypt got the sinai back so uh you know and there was a peace treaty and stuff so you know actually if you, you know if you ask a lot of egyptians uh, they won the war so it's, it's very much an in interesting um different uh perspectives depending on uh you know whose history uh whose version of history but um things have been going downhill for palestinians ever since and the peace deal uh the treaty the oslo accords have never been uh anything that um has helped it's just um, it may have slowed down uh everything going to hell um uh, at some point but it's uh, the, the palestinians have been losing more and more land uh since 67 since 48 really um and uh, and that process just continues and so now not uh, 92 percent of uh, uh palace of historic palestine is is not um occupied by or is 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 uh, owned occupied controlled by by israel uh, either under martial law or 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 uh, the civilian law depending on who's living there and uh eight percent is uh, palestinian land but that land is is also 
uh, controlled in terms of who goes in and out uh, by Israeli checkpoints everywhere. So the West Bank, uh, the occupied West Bank, is just a patchwork of little bantistans with Israeli checkpoints. And right now, uh, since uh, last Saturday, uh, nobody can go in or out of any town in the West Bank. The, che the Israeli authorities have them completely locked down, and there's uh, been... I can't remember how many, I think now hundreds in the past week in the West Bank killed by Israeli uh, military and settlers who have been increasingly going on pogroms uh, in, in recent years, um, backed up by uh, troops where people, uh, Palestinians are killed, uh, civilians are killed, and, and houses and cars are destroyed and burned down. This has been a regular feature, become a regular feature of life in uh, the occupied West Bank in recent years under the far-right uh, Israeli government that, that's been in power there for some years now. And, um, and so, yeah, that's... Um, you know, so so bottom line, especially, most especially when, when you know, things are happening that are... That are uh, attracting interest from folks, uh, you know, suddenly, you know, the news is sort of a little bit covering what's going on around Gaza and, and Israel and stuff like that. Then, you know, it, they always they always portray it as, uh, you know, Hamas launched rockets. It always started with Hamas launching rockets, and nothing starts with Hamas launching anything. Nothing starts with Hamas launching an operation because Hamas is is uh, is is just the the closest thing to the occupied walled besieged ghetto has to an authority i mean this is not a this is not an army they don't have tanks they don't have planes uh, they don't have any they don't have an airport um it's it's just this isn't a war between countries this is a, a ghetto uprising and it's a fascinating um connection there because um you know what we are talking about is you know, and once again, people will say this is ironic, and let's just talk about that for a moment. Uh, you know that that uh, you know the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising is widely believed, um, but certainly until this week, to be uh, you know one of the more impressive uh, urban uprisings uh, in history, and it began on April nineteenth, nineteen forty three, and it went on for four weeks, really, and during which time the entire Warsaw Ghetto was destroyed by fire by the Nazis. And um, the Warsaw Ghetto um, was where the what had been a population of half a million Jews in in Warsaw were were by this by 1940 something or two or so were were forced all living in the Warsaw Ghetto, which was which was about, had about sixty thousand Jews in it, and. Uh, a very interesting, similar situation with a walled ghetto that was being where the inhabitants were being starved and uh, had access to nothing, no weapons, only homemade weapons. And, uh, and they organized uh, first to, uh, to uh, uh, clean the ghetto up of any collaborators, which involved killing a lot of people, and then to organize this completely surprise uprising that the Nazis had no idea was about to happen. Uh, and even with homemade weapons, they, they, they fought the Nazis for four weeks. The Nazis had to had to get troops to come from the Russian front to uh, help them out there in Warsaw. And, and at one point, uh, the uh, ghetto fighters actually broke out of their walled ghetto and were fighting in the city of Warsaw beyond the ghetto, So, and that, which shocked the Nazis, you know, and all that. So fascinating parallels uh, here. And as with the um, Hamas fighters who broke out of their walled ghetto, uh, they clearly all were expecting to die 
and they referred to each other as the walking dead, as I'm quite certain the folks uh, involved today with these kinds of operations uh, also use such terms to, um, you know, uh, because they know what they're doing and they're, they're, they're uh, risking their lives and losing them. And of course, you know, doing terrible things in the process, taking other lives, which is how this whole cycle of violence thing works. Um, I'll do another song. I wrote this uh, after 9-11. Life could have been different You think I don't know Could have been born in Paris Or in the Wisconsin snow But I'm from this desert And here I will stand And I will meet you in the promised land You know, I went to college be an engineer Thought I'd do something useful What good is that here? When your jet fighters bomb Any buildings that stand I will meet you in the promised land The life of the fighter I didn't choose I love my people and I can follow your cues If destroying our world is your leader's command I will meet you in the promised land better when our life here is through but you've butchered my family you must understand I will meet you in the promised land I know it's not pretty but for all that you've done for all the widows and orphans for all the wars that you've won I must teach you a lesson Maybe you'll understand I will meet you in the promised land So I will get in this plane And when it's in the air To your symbols of power our source of despair 
I'll look through the cockpit Steady my hand I will meet you in the promised land I will meet you in the promised land I will meet you in the promised land Ella writes, um, curious what I think the outcome will be. And um, I've never actually read Jean-Paul Sartre, but I, uh, and I should, I'm sure. But apparently one of the sayings he's known for is uh, that uh, football is endlessly complicated by the existence of the opposing team. So I have no idea. I don't run the world, and nobody else does either. The U.S. just thinks they do. But as Mao Zedong said, the U.S. is a paper tiger, but it has nuclear teeth. This song used to be played on uh, BBC every month or so for years. BBC Radio 3 until... Andy Kershaw lost his job. Child, what will you remember when you recall your 16th year? The horrid sound of helicopter gunships, the rumble of the tanks as they drew near. As the world went about its business, I burned another tank of gasoline The Dow Jones lost a couple points that day While you were crying in the city of Janine Did they even give your parents warning Before they blew the windows out with shells While you hid inside the high school basement it's the ringing of church bells As you watched your teacher crumple by the doorway And in England they were toasting to the Queen You were so far from the thoughts of so many Huddled in the city of Janine Were you thinking of the taunting of the soldiers? Or of the shit they smeared upon the walls? Were you thinking of your cousin after torture? Or Tel Aviv and its glittering shopping malls? When the fat men in their mansions say that you don't want peace, 
did you wonder what they mean? As you sat amidst the stench inside the darkness In the shattered city of Janine What went through your mind on that day At the sight of your mother's vacant eyes As she lay still among the rubble Beneath the blue Middle Eastern skies as you stood upon this bulldozed building Beside the settlements and their hills so green As your tears gave way to grim determination Amidst the ruins of the city of Janine And why should anybody wonder As you stepped on board the crowded bus across the green line And you reached inside your jacket for the cord Were you thinking of your neighbor's buried bodies As you made the stage for this scene As you set off the explosives that were strapped around your waist Were you thinking of the city of Janine Um, this this uh, idea that you can um, bomb a place and uh, find peace that way is just completely madness. It only works if you're going to kill everybody. And the Israelis know that. You look at all the 400,000 civilians killed in the U.S.'s so-called war on terror since the turn of this century in Afghanistan, Iraq, and elsewhere. And now if Afghanistan is, is run by the Taliban and Iraq is run by a government that is uh, friendly with the U.S.'s sworn enemy, Iran. This is after 400,000 civilian deaths, several thousand U.S. soldiers dead, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of U.S. soldiers traumatized for life along with the entire population of several countries. But then our great progressive drone warrior, Barack Obama uh, was uh, in the White House when uh, the nemesis of the U.S. and all of humanity, apparently, was killed. The most popular person to write outlaw ballads about in Mexico in 2001 was killed. Nothing changed, did it? It was a commando operation of courage and skill. Navy SEAL helicopters flew in for the kill. They had a firefight. 
And they shot him in the head. Now the mastermind of terror, Bin Laden, is dead. For all those who love freedom, it's a glorious day. You see in New York, they're chanting USA. Fatherless children clutching teddy bears. Legless veterans with catheters and wheelchairs can all rejoice that the deed is done. And the war on terror has been won. Fill the air with joyful cries as the call to prayer rings from shattered home after shattered homes. They can all run out from the rubble of their homes. Now they know their parents didn't die in vain when they heard the roar of a jet plane. Now the whole village except the 115 who died one morning unknown and unseen can all rejoice that the deed is done. And the war on terror has been won. Now folks can have a party, the old Baghdad and the people of Fallujah can all be glad. Now they know there is a reason for their poisoned farms and for the babies born without heads or arms. The widows need not wonder where their husbands went. They can look forward to the future in their tents. Now all the refugees, whatever country they're in, in Syria, Jordan, or Michigan, can all rejoice that the deed is done and the war on terror has been won. God shed his grace on thee And crown thy good with brotherhood From sea to shining sea very heartening to see how many people are coming out to protest in London and Berlin and uh, Yemen and Iran and so many other places. This, um, you know, this stuff is, is so uh, repetitive. Um, you know, when, when the... Um, 
there were people talking about um uh you know not, uh, when when the when palestinians were t once again taking refuge in large numbers in un compounds and un run schools under the uh belief that maybe they're a little safer there than they are in their homes um once again as as uh, hopefully uh, people are aware of uh, most of the un uh, facilities in gaza have been bombed uh, once again and this is not new. This is what the Israelis do all the time. And, and but it's like every time a new war starts, um, the, you know, the the folks at the UN, uh, maybe because they feel like they have to, and the Western media, just um, talks as if, um, you know, of course, um, you know, they're not going to bomb a UN compound, or you know, but they've been bombing UN compounds, schools, elementary schools, hospitals, mosques. Uh, this is all intentional and very intentional. These are. These are smart bombs. They're targeted. Uh, they know the map of Gaza. It's not that big. Uh, you could, they got it all mapped out. They know exactly who, where they're bombing. Um, it is a war crime to bomb a school or a hospital or, or an apartment complex just because there's a, a couple of so-called terrorists in it. Uh, that's a war crime. That is not, you know, allowed under the so-called rules of war that nobody, you know, pays much attention to. But just as a, a bit of an illustration that this is not new. Um, I'll do a song I wrote <clears throat> in 2014 when Israel was once again bombing Gaza. Although, and they killed like 2,000 people then, and apparently there was nothing compared to what they're doing now. But one of the things that's so harrowing about watching these bombs destroying these buildings is that you know Gaza it's 2.2 million people living in an area 5 miles by 25 miles and they're mostly living in high rises because that's what you do you know, when you got that many people and they're taking them down they're collapsing just like the twin towers just like the twin towers just like the twin towers I heard them marching chanting kill them all I saw millions of people trapped behind ghetto walls. I saw the soldiers shooting every Friday afternoon. I saw some exposed to sickness with others made immune. I saw the tear gas in Al-Aqsa, eyes open wide. I saw the mob attack the motorists and beat him till he died. I heard the generals lying. I saw the tanks moving in. I heard the settlers shouting, let the killing begin. Look up above, hear the ear splitting sound. Watch the buildings crumble to the ground See the planes in the sky there by the sea So much like New York City I heard the wailing voices of the dying and forlorn of the kids who couldn't get out and those who weren't warned I saw all the schools and hospitals in pieces there still from the last time the IOF came to maim and kill I saw the brave children with piles of rocks facing tanks demolishing city blocks what's left of the grove but some sap as they try to wipe Palestine off the map look up above hear the ear splitting sound Watch the buildings crumble to the ground See the planes in the sky there by the sea So much like New York City I heard the DNC and all the Republicans too Pledge allegiance to Netanyahu 
I heard the president start the story with rockets from a ghetto where people live in rubble, starved by an embargo. I saw a whole lot of crocodile tears on display for the zillionth time. I heard politicians say, can both sides please de-escalate? On one side are the occupied, on the other an apartheid state. Look up above, hear the ear-splitting sound. Watch the buildings crumble to the ground. See the planes in the sky there by the sea, so much like New York City. I heard them marching, chanting, kill them all. I saw millions of people trapped behind ghetto walls. Yeah, Ella, you're commenting about the four people who were just massacred, who were trying to surrender. Yes, that just happened, didn't it? That's uh, that's that's right. Um, so Lebanon is um, there's this is also going on with um, on the border with Lebanon. There's a lot happening. Not that much compared to 2006. Uh, and who knows what's coming um, with Lebanon? But I was in Lebanon in uh, in two thousand five, and um, doing a, having a wonderful tour of the country, and uh, and a lot of the places I visited in two thousand five were destroyed um, the following year, along with. Uh, tens of thousands, I don't know how many buildings, uh, hundreds of thousands, I can't remember the numbers I used to know, it's been a while. Two soldiers have been captured, they'd crossed to the other side, two soldiers taken prisoner, several others died, this is how it started, so said the Jewish state, forget about 96, 82, 67, 48, two soldiers taken hostage and by the Sea of Galilee, we must defend our borders wherever they may be. We must defend our soldiers wherever they're deployed. Two of them are captured. One country is destroyed. Somewhere in Tel Aviv, generals drawing battle lines for the town where Jesus turned water into wine. On the 10-year anniversary of a massacre of children, they thought it was a good idea to massacre some children. Anyone in the South, I heard Ehud Olmert say, everyone's a target and may be killed today. And if your home has turned to rubble, it may be pulverized some more. Because two soldiers have been captured, and we got to settle up the score. A hundred thousand homes, oh, there it is, leveled to the ground. Every olive branch on offer burned where it was found. Every chance at dialogue rejected right on cue. If you're going to burn your bridges, you might as well bomb them too. They even bombed the prison where they used to torture fighters, where they had the dogs and leashes, cigarettes and lighters, where they were kept and shackled, not allowed to stand where they torched the forests, turned them into sand. And the entire world watches. A few thousand demonstrate. Governments take action all too little or too late. All the telephones are ringing in case you couldn't read the signs. This is the IDF, and you're in the firing line. Condoleezza came to visit for about an hour. She thought it was a party, some kind of baby shower. She said these were the birth pangs of a brand new morn. But in the hospitals today, all the babies were stillborn. 
The stars and stripes among the ruins say where they were made in case anybody wonders about all that military aid, in case anybody wonders about the mines around the farms or why so many so, so many toddlers are missing legs and arms or why so many of them ask exactly what was meant by wiping out their homes and then giving them a tent or why if you ask them, who is Nasrallah, they'll tell you, he's our leader and we all are Hezbollah. Oh, and thanks for the correction, Don. I wrote that song, um, Watch the Buildings Crumble in 2021, totally not 2014. I wrote another song in 2014 with, unfortunately, the very similar chord progression and same subject material, which Ben Grosskup has been doing a brilliant rendition of at various protests in Massachusetts recently. If anybody's in Massachusetts, look up Ben and find out where the next protest is happening. Uh see. And if you're in uh, Portland or anywhere around here and you're having a protest that you want me to sing it, I'm available. Um. Last I heard there was one small vigil and it didn't look like they had a sound system. But I'm available. And I wish I were in London. Back in, uh, when was it? 2010? Nine? 2010, 2009. There was a trial. There were a couple of trials. Eventually, uh, the, um, they uh, railroaded these folks into prison. They ran a foundation that was shut down by the U.S. government called the Holy Land Foundation. They grew up among the bombs of occupation, bulldoze houses and situation. Refugee camps, Khan Yunus and Shatila, children gunned down in the Intifada, poverty, hunger, a place to slowly die. Five men decided they had to try. From their homes in Texas to the stateless nation, they started up the Holy Land Foundation. They sent food and medicine, that's all they ever did. They sent toys for little kids. Feed the hungry, that's, that's a good deal, but it depends on who you want to feed. If they're living in the ghettos under IOF command, they don't want to starve in their homeland. If Sharon says all that's theirs is mine, if they're from a place called Palestine, the Holy Land is crying out, leaving little room for doubt. From ruined homes, the kids ask you, what in the world will you do? They sent money to the Zakat committees, the same ones funded by USAID, but these were Arabs aiding Palestinians. A very hard time to meet Muslims. Their phones were tapped. Nothing could be found with an executive order. Bush shut them down, freezing all their funds, taking food from kids. That's what the USA did. They support Hamas, it was proclaimed, though they couldn't find a cent sent in their name, but they had evidence in court. An anonymous Israeli submitted a report behind a veil. No cross-examination. He could smell Hamas was his explanation. First the jury hung, so they tried them again, and from feeding hungry people, they were sent to prison. 
The Holy Land is crying out, leaving little room for doubt. From ruined homes, the kids ask you, what in the world will you do? Five men in cells, no one knows what's for. Every Muslim, an unindicted co-conspirator. Be careful what you say, be wary what you hear, or end up in a CMU for 65 years. Cut off from the world, held in a box. Back home kids get shot for throwing rocks. No one stops the charity sending money for tanks, for illegal settlements all over the West Bank. This is justice in America, didn't know it, now you do. A retrial was denied, I should mention that too. Retrial denied, who knows who's next to go to be tortured in a little Guantanamo. The Constitution suspended, they just haven't let us know. It's easier that way, just say it isn't so. The Holy Land Foundation, you know it's true, they just did what all of us should do. The Holy Land is crying out, leaving little room for doubt. From ruined homes, the kids ask you, what in the world will you do? thinking about doing so yeah well let's see do that the um Western media, especially the American media, but the Western media generally, is just um, is completely dishonest, and, and you're not going to get anything real about what's going on. And the same is true about anything you hear about Iran. Did you know? Did you hear that the um, the guy? from the Reagan election team in 1980 who uh, negotiated with the uh, Iranian, the new Iranian government to hold on to the hostages longer in order to swing the election in Reagan's favor. That guy just admitted, and is, he's like 98 years old, but he just admitted that he did that. You know, did you know that? Missile strikes in Baghdad, skies full of fighter jets. Tension in the air, as thick as it gets. Their talking points are loaded at each press conference with what passes for an effort at historical reference. They talk of things that happened over 40 years before that they say now bring us to the edge of world war. They talk about the hostages, so let us now rewind. When the students took the embassy, just what did they find? When the students took the embassy, I was just a kid. But I remember well the first things they did. 
Let all the women go while collecting all the trash. All the shredded documents that weren't yet turned to ash. All the shredded documents that clearly showed the torture and corruption, how the power flowed. The concept of a captured state was one the Shah defined. When the students took the embassy, just what did they find? When the students took the embassy, they found the crimes of Sabak. Had the CIA hiding under every rock. And that's where they had been, where the agents were based. They had a staff of thousands there. From there they laid to waste the dreams held by so many for a free society. Like the one they overthrew back in 1953. Historic crimes exposed in the shredder once consigned. When the students took the embassy, just what? What did they find when the students took the embassy? Bill asks another good question. What do I think about Hamas having captives? Um, uh, I mean, I think it's terrible that anybody is um, ever held captive or killed, um, including soldiers. Um, but, you know, we're talking about a, uh, you know, we're talking about people living in a besieged ghetto who are um, absolutely desperate. Who, there's thousands of Palestinians, including many, many children, being held without charges indefinitely in Israeli prisons and tortured there. So under the circumstances, uh, you know, holding hostages in, ex in order to exchange them for prisoners uh, makes a lot of sense. And it's worked before as well. You know, I mean, when they had uh, Gilad Shalit for years, uh, it's one soldier, uh, you know, they traded him for a thousand prisoners. So, um, you know, I hope that Israel lets out all the prisoners. You know that they could easily get those those hostages out of there. They just have to let out all the prisoners and stop besieging Gaza, which is what they should have done a long time ago, anyway. People say it's complicated, but it's not. It's really not. And uh, and let's just um, you know take the taking the broad historical view here. You know, first of all, uh, the the, the uh, in the, in the Old Testament, there's all this stuff about returning to Israel, right? And um, but uh, the reality of the situation is um, that's a colonial settler project. That's just an excuse. It had, you know, the, the Zionist project existing, the Zionist movement existing, was very convenient for the people that uh, wanted to colonize Palestine. Because uh, it was, it, you know, defeating the Arab world has been a priority since the Crusades in Europe, and uh, th this is a nice opportunity to have a settler colonial regime, uh, European-style colonial regime, uh, where the people in charge are European Jews. Sounded like a great idea to a lot of European imperialist types, and after the uh, World War One, so um, you know, this is when this really got more of a became more of a serious project, and. Um, and, and a, pro a project of settlement and, and of uh, dispossession of uh, Palestinian land from Palestinian people. 
uh, under the guise of all kinds of other stuff like Terra Nullis, you know, the same usual colonial nonsense that they talk about. And um, so the uh, the basic situation is just so simple. It's People want to go home. People don't want to be refugees. You know, people want to live in equality with their neighbors. It's very, very simple. It could be a very simple solution a long time ago. But, um, you know. Steve, lovely to see you there. Um, I want to read what you're saying here. Yeah. Our, our entire lives the great threats to peace involve israel when i was young i just asked why israel was created where it is i think i once i think i heard once that nevada was considered but we wouldn't take the jews yeah i think uh yeah that's uh, that's that's been my plan actually as i mean you know no offense to uh, all the i mean is you know of course then we're talking about stealing more in, in indigenous land but at least this land is already stolen and i think in nebraska they, they could you know be a lot more in nevada yeah they could be a lot more uh you know it would be a lot safer for them i think than than where they are now um but they could be safe where they are now too if they would just uh stop running an apartheid state But a friend of mine, Palestinian friend of mine, a long time ago, uh, talked about leading a march. Um, kind of actually happened uh, 18 years later, but she was talking about leading a march um, kind of a lot like the Great March of Return. With uh, the message from all the refugees coming from all over, uh, the refugee camps all over the surrounding areas and within uh, Palestine and outside of Palestine with the simple message of people just saying, I want to go home. I was born a refugee and I don't know if I'll ever see the old farmhouse I've heard about but it's where I belong there is no doubt cause my whole family is from that farm we never did nobody harm you're confused by what you've heard let me boil it down to a single word I want to go home I want to go home I have heard my grandpa say that on the street most every day the neighbors kids would kick a ball with my dad when he was small we were christians they were jews but it was no big deal religious views so it was strange when at the point of a gun across the river we had to run i want to go home i want to go home we had Dipke, we had songs, and we all knew where we belonged. We grew crops, life was good, there in the land where Jesus stood. Now we're scattered everywhere, but there's no peace anywhere. And I'm just searching 
for some kind of sign for some way back to Palestine I wanna go home I wanna go home I wanna go home I wanna go home Well, the um, um, Ella asks another really good question. Um, what kind of solution would work, uh, one state or two state? And um, for example, one state or two state. And um, it's like uh, you know, I think um, sometimes. I mean, I don't, I don't have the answer necessarily, but the, um, but, but uh, what I can say for sure is that uh, sometimes when problems just when you, when when certain parties continually keep on for generations making a problem worse and worse all the time, like uh, you know, I mean, you know, the U.S. U.S. policy there has been making sure for decades and decades that the most far right Israeli governments get all the most support because the U.S is just constantly sending military aid which which encourages military solutions and um the solution is not a military solution and and the US is just pouring fuel on the fire and making it worse by by constantly sending on all this military aid and and giving all the political cover to this apartheid state called Israel and um you know uh so um the whatever solution it it, it it actually lies, I would say, largely in, in the United States in terms of like, you know, stopping the, the, the fuel to, to stop pouring fuel in the fire. You know, and this is true of a lot of different situations in a lot of different countries. I mean, and it's, it's not that like, you know, the U.S. is is the root of all the problems, but but the U.S. is often fueling fires and making problems worse uh, when they exist and often creating them as well. But, um, you know, so th this is um, this practice has to end. Um but otherwise, um, you know, it, it, if if it's a one state or two state, I think either either one of those kinds of solutions could potentially work just fine, um, if uh, you know, the, if the U.S. were not constantly um, supporting the most fascistic elements within the Israeli establishment, which are now the elements that are actually running the country. So. And somebody, a uh, Canadian communist, the land be belongs to them and the idea that they need to take back the land. I mean, you know, the land also here belongs to the Native Americans and uh, it's been occupied by uh, Europeans and other folks for many hundreds of years. And we're, you know, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of uh, justice, uh, just solutions to problems in the world that ha have absolutely nothing at all to do with anything p remotely practical or actually, you know, applicable. You know, so justice is a great idea, but... Uh, actually finding uh, solutions that are workable uh, where, where we can actually live in peace with each other. Um, and I think what that requires is is equality and, and people treated with respect and people have access to basic rights and land and 
you know, not being second-class citizens. And I think under those circumstances, uh, white, black, Native American, and other folks can live together in North America and also um, the same, you know, Jews and and Palestinians can live together in uh, Israel and in you know wherever you know it's just but not not under these terribly unequal situations with with the ha more than half the population literally this is the situation more than half of the people in historic palestine who are palestinians most of the people there are palestinians the majority of the population if you put together israel the west bank and gaza the majority of the population are palestinian and most uh, of this, and and you know most of those Palestinians, all but the one million who are Israeli citizens, the rest of them, uh, the other four million or so, are forced to live uh, in in occupied territories under military rule, um, and uh, and and on what is eight percent of their historic land. So you know this is the kind of you know it's, it's really um, uh, yeah easily. Uh, competitive with uh, South Africa or any other kind of, you know, example historically. Um, and of course, famously, uh, Desmond Tutu and other veterans of uh, the of the fight against uh, apartheid in South Africa upon uh, touring in um, Palestine uh, uh, said it's worse. It's worse there. And that was 20 years ago. But um, one of the things that one of the most shocking uh, things about all this that you know it just we, we're we're so the the Western media's bias is so completely exposed as well as the, all the Western regimes um, and uh, in you know it, you, it's so obvious when you look at like somebody like you can hear you know um, there's a speech going around from I, I guess it was just a year ago or so of Ursula von der Leyen the head of the EU Parliament. Uh, talking about um, how Russia is committing war crimes by not allowing uh, Ukrainians access, you know, by destroying electrical plants and not, uh, you know, ha allowing people to have access to electricity. And that, that's, they say, a war crime, um, which, um, you know, it sounds like a good argument. Uh, but it, it's not even, they're not even talking about uh, Israel committing war crimes. They're just talking about we need to stand with Israel, send them more arms, send them more, you know, and, and fight against terrorists. And, you know, the, the rhetoric is completely different, absent, completely absent is any talk of war crimes or, or uh, any of that. So it's uh, the double standard is just completely completely laid bare, um, particularly by the convenience of the fact that we have this terrible war going on in Ukraine at the same time as this terrible war going on in Gaza. So, you know, the, we can compare and contrast. They're happening at the same time. There are headlines in the press at the same time on the same day. And, you know, one will be like, uh, you know, the brutal, savage Russian Russian military is, is uh, bombarding uh, civilian uh, structures in uh, Ukraine, even if it's like even if it's you know comparatively uh, rare and accidental, uh, it gets all the headlines. Um, you know, not to minimize the suffering in Ukraine, but uh, the Russian bombing is not as indiscriminate as the as the Israeli bombing of Gaza, and that's very clear. Uh, and and if you don't uh, think so, then uh, you're watching the Western media too. But um, it's um, the, what's what they're doing. What the Israelis are doing in ba in Gaza is completely indiscriminate dis destruction of civilian um, uh, homes, uh, mosques, schools, hospitals, etc. And that's evidenced by the fact that you know now we're up to almost a thousand children who have been killed. And you know this is these are their victims. They're not. They are killing children. And uh, but the double standard there with uh, Ukraine and and. Um, Israel is, is quite something and, and I, I wrote this song um, originally um, you know when the Ukraine war started thinking about other places.
called us Nazis, said that we did not deserve to have sovereignty, that our independence was some kind of plot, and the skies rained down missiles and gunshots. They said we were against their civilization, against the existence of their nation, which apparently is found right where we're from, to where they and their weapons had come. We responded with a people's war. Everybody knew what a Molotov was for. The whole of our society mobilized to fight while our people got slaughtered day and night. The invaders used every weapon ever known as all of the evidence has shown. They killed us on the land and blockaded us at sea and they say they only want to set us free. When the invader arrives, Comes for your land, for your lives, comes to take it all from you. What do you do? Parents took their children, became refugees, living around the world in different countries, dreaming of the day they can go back to our cities under attack. Solidarity came from all around. Everywhere, but the Avengers didn't care. A situation anyone can understand. An occupying army on another people's land. When the invaders arrived, come for your land, for your lives, come to take it all from you. What do you do? People formed networks and organizations, even a Bureau of the United Nations. Many governments sent aid, though under occupation, the pipers never paid, and the blood of the innocents flowed on the fields that they sowed. You can hear everybody saying from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. When the invader arrives, comes for your land, for your lives, comes to take it all from you. What do you do? Um, I'm gonna, um, what did I have in mind? One other song now. Um, yeah, there's some, what was I going to talk about? Something, something, some other, oh yeah, I'll do that. It's been a pleasure uh, singing these really depressing songs about really depressing subjects to you all on these platforms. And um, of course it'll be all on line afterwards and up as a podcast and you can share it with anybody that you want to and um, if you live in Scandinavia uh, me and Kamala will be touring around there uh, for the first half or so of next month of November um, and info is on my website and also davidrovics.com slash Palestine you can find um, everything well not everything but some select th selected 
writings and uh, recordings uh, that I've made related to Palestine. And if you want to follow what's going on in Gaza, um, uh, you know, there's pros and cons to all the different media platforms, but I highly recommend uh, Al Jazeera for um, seeing Al Jazeera English. You can follow what's going on on the ground. They have reporters there. Um, They actually, you know, have Palestinian reporters reporting, you know, including other folks who are in Gaza. And, you know, unlike on NPR where I just heard somebody say, well, they won't let reporters in there. No, they won't let reporters in there, but they have reporters in there. But they don't trust Palestinian reporters. Um, I'll do one more song, um, which is uh, another song I wrote at the beginning of the full-scale invasion, as they say. alive as long as they live will wonder was there something that could have been done before nuclear winter blocked out the sun after the earth that we once knew was blown asunder at the end of world war three any pundits who may still be found We'll have heated debates about how the end came round. Was it the Black Sea blockade? When the rush for the end times was made? Or the breaking of promises promised when the wall came down? At the end of World War III, as people looked for clean water to drink, as they're dreaming of the days when they had a kitchen sink. Wishing they could try again to talk to belligerent men back when we were hanging on the brink. At the end of World War III when everyone has the same thought Is this what imperial intransigence wrought? Life under occupation Or the end of creation Decisions that decades of lost opportunities brought At the end of World War III With billions dead or dying It won't matter who was right or who was lying. When civilization has ended, once the last war has descended, only then will there be no one left denying. At the end of World War III, 
as the few left alive survey the rubble remaining wondering how long they'll survive too late to question the story of expansion or conquest or glory no time to rewind from the date Armageddon arrived at the end of World War III Thanks for listening, everybody. Free Palestine.